Praise be to God for his word. And so this morning as we begin the last, seriously, <laughs> write it down, the last sermon in the sermon series on the book of Acts, um, I want to begin with a quote from uh, a book that Jonathan Lehman has written some years ago. And here's what he said um, in a book called Reverberation, How God's Word Brings Light, Freedom, and Action to His People. Here's how he, he ends his first chapter. Many of the books being published about the local church these days are looking for something new. Some new way to engage with culture. Some new way to structure our churches. Some new way to appeal to outsiders. And surely there's a place for such conversations. But I propose that churches become healthy and Christians become vibrant through, some, through the same things today as they did in the New Testament churches. Through evangelizing, preaching, teaching, singing, praying, and discipling one another with God's word. True life, kingdom life, exciting life will be created in our churches through nothing new, but through something quite old. The Word of God. That's how Jonathan Lehman began that book. I encourage you to open Scripture to Acts chapter 13 as we are looking at the theme of the Word of God in the book of Acts. The Word of God in the book of Acts. If you did not bring your Bible this morning, you may find this passage on page number 922. And uh, we are currently finishing this sermon series by looking at various themes. And the theme we are looking uh, through the book of Acts is a theme of the Word of God. I will be reading one passage, but really I'll be working through a lot uh, of other passages in the book of Acts, showing where and how the Word of God is present and how Luke speaks about the Word of God in the book of Acts. So hopefully you will uh, keep your Bibles open. Uh, but let's open now to Acts 13, verses 44 through 49. Here's the word of the Lord. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and become to began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. 
Would you pray with me? Father, we recognize that apart from your Spirit, our hearts are too dull to understand your Word. We pray that now by your Holy Spirit you would help us see and hear your Word as you have intended it. Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Open our eyes that we may see the power of your Word. We pray this in the name of Christ for his glory and honor. Amen. Well, friends, the theme of the Word of God is mentioned a lot in the book of Acts. Luke um, uses a number of phrases to, to talk about the Word of God in the book of Acts. And here are some phrases he uses. He uses the phrase, the Word of God. That's pretty clear. The Word of the Lord. That's pretty clear. The Word of Salvation. It's another phrase Paul uses. Another one is, oh, I mean, Luke uses. Another phrase is the word of his grace or the word of the gospel. Also, several times throughout Luke, we see simply the phrase the word, referring to the word of the Lord. Not, not human word, not the words of humans, but the word of the Lord. Another indication that the theme of the, of the word of God is key for the book of Acts is that uh, the phrase, the word of God, or the word of the Lord, increased and multiplied. That phrase shows up a number of times in the book of Acts, and it shows up in key places. For instance, in chapter 6, verse 7, we see the word of God continued to increase. In chapter 12, verse 24, we see, but the word of God increased and multiplied. In our own passage, we read the same phrase. Then in chapter 19, verse 20, again, we see the phrase, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Some commentators and people who read and study the book of Acts in more detail have actually seen that these phrases are actually structural markers. They actually show up at the end of a key part of the book of Acts. So that you could, you could organize the entire book of Acts. You could see the structure of the whole book of Acts based on this phrase, the word of the Lord increased and multiplied. Well, this morning I would like for us to look at this theme of the word of the Lord or the word of God in the book of Acts. How does Luke speak about this theme of the word of God? I'd like to look at three things this morning. There's more than we could look at. Three things this morning that I'd like to, for you to see um, about the Word of God in the book of Acts. Here's the first one. If you'd like to take notes, here's the first one. The Word of God is God's active agent. The Word of God is God's active agent. Luke used a number of verbs to impress upon our hearts that the Word of God was growing. Did you hear that? The Word of God was growing. He said it's, the Word of God is increasing, multiplying, spreading, prevailing mightily. In the, in the passages I've, I've just read, these verbs are present in, to describe what exactly the Word was doing. Now, why is Luke using these descriptions for the Word of God? Descriptions like increasing, multiplying, growing, spreading, prevailing mightily. 
Why? Why these descriptions for the Word of God? Well, the answer lies in the Old Testament. And the background comes from, the first, one of the background verses is Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, where God gives a picture of the future when many nations will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that, he may, that we may walk in his paths. And then Isaiah says, God says to Isaiah, For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord shall go from Jerusalem. The word of the Lord is described as a go, or the word who is traveling, who is going, who is on a journey. Now Isaiah takes up this vision again in chapter 55, the passage we read earlier in our service. There God said that Israel, as an, uh, that to Israel, that a nation that did not know them shall run to them. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, God says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making, making bring forth sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. That's how God speaks about his word. Why will another nation that did not know the people of God run to the, to the people of God and seek the Lord? Why? Because the Lord is sending out his word and he says, and I am sending it and it will accomplish what I purpose with it. It will succeed in what I want it to accomplish. Now, Isaiah was not the first one who spoke about the Word of God as, as not being empty. Moses gave this lesson to the second generation of the Israelites right before they were getting ready to enter Canaan. On the brink of, of the promised land, Moses speaks to the Israelites the following words in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 46 and 47. Here's what Moses speaks to them. He says, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law, for it is no empty word for you, but your very life. No wonder that in Isaiah 55, God said, Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And then God reminds his people that his word will not return to God empty but will accomplish a divine will and will succeed in the things for which God sends it. Friends, in the Old Testament, when we look at the, this picture of the, of the Word of God, how it's described in the Old Testament, one of, these, one of the descriptions is that the Word of God accomplishes what God aims it to accomplish. Another way to say it is the purpose of God is accomplished by the Word of God. The purpose of God is accomplished by the Word of God. If God wants something to get done, 
what will he do? Send out his word. It could be through the prophets. It could be through his people, through the teachers. But the bottom line is, he sends out his word. Now, we should not be surprised by this truth, that God accomplishes his purposes by his word. Remember how our very existence came into being? How did our existence begin? It began with these words, and God said... Friends, the word of God precedes the world which God created. The word of God comes before this world of our existence. That's why John begins his gospel with the words, In the beginning was the word. That's why when we come to Isaiah 55, we see the word of God as God's active agent sent to accomplish God's purposes. And this is what we find in the book of Acts. The book about the church, the book about this, the spread of, of, of the plan of salvation is a book that, that records the journey of the word of God. No wonder that Luke is interested in tracing the spread and growth and the increase of the Word of God. This Word of God is no lifeless message. It's not just words on a page. No, the Word of God is an active agent that accomplishes God's purposes. My friends, it would be very easy for us when we think about the, this idea of the Word of God to think that it only refers to the Christian message in general. And that would be certainly true. The Word of God is, is a Christian message. And we know that. The Word of God is, is the Bible. His Word for us. But much more is going on in the book of Acts. In Acts, the Word of God is not just a Christian message. It's not that which must be spoken and heard. It's not that which must be received. It's more than that. The Word of God is a living agent. He's an active agent who acts, who grows, who increases, who multiplies and prevails mightily. By the way, Acts is not the only one who makes this highlight about the Word of God. The book of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Friends, the Word of God is active. It's powerful. It works. It travels. It increases. So friends, don't think about the Word of God as some sort of lifeless message that you can ignore. You can ignore the Word of God, but only to your peril and danger. When we wonder in our weekly life as, as Christians, when we wonder, oh my goodness, I'm so tired, I'm so busy, I'm not sure if I really can read the Bible this morning. When you wonder and struggle whether or not you have time for the Word of God to read it, to study, to meditate upon it, friends, remember, you're not debating over whether or not you want to read a news bits in New York Times. You're not debating whether or not you want to read a, a good book 
or a good story, a good fiction that will just encourage you and lift you up and give you some, some boost for the day. No, you're not reading that kind of word. You're reading the active, living word of God, whom God said that he has sent to accomplish his purposes even in your life. Jesus prayed to his Father in John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth, referring to the disciples. Sanctify them by the, by the truth. Your word is the truth. Oh, friends, Luke wants to present to us this picture of the word of God. It's not just words on paper. It's not just a message. It's an agent, an active agent who acts. But what is the purpose for which God sends his, his, his word? If the Word of God is, is an agent, an active agent, what is the purpose for which God has sent it? Well, in the book of Acts, the one purpose that we see over and over and over again is that the Word, and here's point two, the Word of God is creating the people of God. The Word of God is creating the people of God. And when God created Adam, by his word and breath, God gave him and Eve a command. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Genesis 1. This was the command of God. This is the first time we see the verbs increase and multiply in the Bible. Referring to when God spoke to Adam and Eve and created the human race. The second time we see the, this phrase in an important way about increasing and multiplying is in, in Exodus chapter 1. Twice we see in Exodus chapter 1 a description about the people of Israel that they were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and, and grew exceedingly strong. In Exodus 1.20, we read that the people multiplied and grew very strong. God was forming his people by growing them and multiplying them in Egypt. But in Exodus 1, this phrase of, of increasing and multiplying greatly was in the context of opposition from the Egyptians. In the context of opposition, God is still building up his people, growing them, making them increase mightily. Now, when we come to Acts and wonder why is Luke using the language of increase, multiply, grow, prevail mightily. Why is he using this vocabulary to describe not the people of God, but the Word of God? It's amazing. And yet, this increase of the Word of God, this, in, this, this growth of the Word of God in the book of Acts is always coupled with increase in the numbers of the people of God in the book of Acts. You see lists of people mentioned in Acts 2, in, in, in the later parts of the book of Acts, that more and more disciples were, were, came to know, to know the Lord. So that, for Luke, the increase of the Word of God, the growth of the Word of God, is associated with the growth of the church. Numerically speaking, as well. But this, this marriage, if you will, this connection between the growth of the Word of God and, and the growth of the people of God of the church in the book of Acts is very important for Luke. 
It's very important for us to understand the implication of that merging of concepts, of that unity of concepts, because that means that the growth of the church in Acts is described as the growth of the Word of God. Why does Luke do that? Why does Luke choose to describe the growth of the, word of, of the church in the book of Acts by really speaking about the growth of the Word of God? Because he wants to drive home a very important principle, an incredibly important principle about God's Word and God's people. And here's the principle. The Word of God creates the people of God. The Word of God creates the people of God. Another way to say this point is that God creates His people by His Word. The church comes into being when the Word of God is sent out to accomplish God's purposes. That's why a nation that did not know God will come and gather and seek the Word of the Lord. Why? Because God sent forth His Word to accomplish His purposes with the nations. The Word of God not only creates the people of God. But in the book of Acts, we see that the Word of God also builds up the people of God. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the elders of the church in, in Ephesus, calling them and giving them final instructions. And he is now about to depart, and he's going to entrust them to God. But listen to what he says as Paul is entrusting these elders and the church they shepherd. Here's what Paul says in Acts 20, 32. Now, I commend you to God. That would be enough. But Paul goes on and says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Amazing. The word of God's grace not only creates God's people, it builds up God's people. And Paul is entrusting these elders and their church into the, to God and to the word of his grace. What does this mean for us? Well, friends, it has some huge implications for us as we think about the life of the church. The growth factor of the church, the growth factor of the church is the word of God. If the Word of God is growing and increasing among us, the church will grow. If the Word of God is not growing and increasing, nothing will cause lasting growth for the church. It may cause some other kinds of growth. Other things might cause growth in the church, don't get me wrong. And we know how to do that. But nothing will cause lasting growth in a church unless the Word of God grows and increases. The church cannot grow without the Word of God. There is nothing to grow the church unless the Word of God is growing among us. Also, it's the Word of God who does the building up of the church. It's not the preacher that builds up a church. It's not a, a human leader who's got a great leadership skill that's able to, to create a, a movement. That doesn't build up the church to last eternally. Friends, we are reminded that too often we rely and put our confidence in what people can do, in their abilities, in their personalities, in their giftedness. Paul reminds the elders of the church of Ephesus that 
of where their confidence should be for the building up of the church. And the confidence should be in the Word of God. It's the Word of His grace. This is the means by which God is creating His people. This is the means by which God is building up His people. But in the book of Acts, the Word is doing something else than just create and build up. The Word is also prevailing mightily. Acts 19, 20, we read the following description. The Word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This idea of prevailing actually has a sense of militaristic idea of conflict. The Word of God is, is presented and spoken in situations where there's conflict, and it's prevailing. It's conquering. So I love the word of the song we read, the, the phrase of the song we read earlier in uh, how sweet and awful is a place. At one point, it speaks about the Word of God as being sent victorious because that's what the Word of God is. When God sends His Word, the Word of God is prevailing. The Word of God is victorious so that the growth of the Word of God is, is in the context of, of opposition, and yet it prevails. The Word of God is on a journey to conquer hearts, to conquer rebellious people, to bring them back to their Creator, restoring them to the image of God. Well, friends, the Word of God conquers not only in, in sinners who are away and outside the church. The Word of God continues to conquer in believers who continue to wander off from God and fall into sin, and fall into disobeying God. In their hearts, in their own lives, the Word of God is called and sent to conquer and prevail mightily. I love the words of Luther, who said, By the power of his mouth, hearts were melted like snow by the breath of spring. It's by the Word of God that hearts are being able to be melted, because the Word of God is sent from God to conquer darkness, rebellion, sinfulness, our hatefulness, along with the idea of conquest, though, there's something else that happens. In the book of, well, actually in Acts 20, 32, notice what Paul says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and something else. Not only to build you up, but to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Did you hear that? The Word of God is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. Why this idea of inheritance? Well, because in the Old Testament, when God said He is sending His Word to conquer and to give His people an inheritance, the whole idea of the conquest of the people of God in the Old Testament was so that they could be given the inheritance that God promised them, the promised land. But now, Luke uses this idea of conquest for the Word of God and applies it to the Word of God, that it's the Word of God who's doing the conquering. And now the Word of God is also not only building, not only conquering, creating, and building up, He's also delivering the inheritance that was promised. That's why the Word of God is conquering, to give us the inheritance that God promised His people. This is the hope to which all the conquest stories of the Old Testament were looking forward to, and this is the climax of the conquest of the Word of God. Oh, friends, all these actions are done by the active Word of God, who accomplishes God's purposes to create a people for Himself, to build up a, the people in the image of Christ, and to give them 
God's inheritance. Friends, one of my heart's desire as a pastor of this church, one of the things I'm fighting for on your behalf is to teach you to put your confidence in the Word of God. Not in what we can do. Not in what people can do. Not in what strategies can do. Not in programs. Not in activities. Even though they're important. Don't get me wrong. But I want you... I'm zealous that your heart would grow in confidence in the Word of God who's active. Active to create out of nothing. Jesus said at one point that even if that God is able to make the rocks into children of Abraham and make them praise God, the Word of God is powerful to create, to build up, and to deliver us the inheritance. That's why I want us as a church to grow in the confidence in the Word of God. Wherever we go, whether we go through... It, through discouragement, disappointment in my own heart. One of the strategies I found very helpful when I go through discouragement, and I do, when I go through times of disappointment, and I do, one of the things I've, I've learned that it really is great, great medicine for the soul. I look for a time to go away in a place where I cannot be um, disturbed and just open God's Word and read long portions of it. Just read. Read long portions of God's Word. That is the best medicine I have found to deal with with times when I feel like nothing's going on or I'm disappointed that things are not going the way I want to. I'm trusting in the power of the Word of God. And let the Word of God be medicine for my soul. Read generously. Read and reread. Read and reread the Word of God because it's not just a message. It's an active agent of God whom God says, I am sending it to you, and it will accomplish everything I purpose it to do. I want that purpose of God to be happening in my own heart. I want that kind of purpose of God to be happening in our own life as a congregation. But it only happens if we regain confidence in the Word of God. Pray for that to happen here. The third point that we see in the book of Acts about the Word of God, that Luke points out, is that the Word of God is a priority for the church. If the Word of God is indeed His agent, if the Word of God is the, the, the agent that creates, builds up, and, and sanctifies and, and delivers the inheritance, then rightly so, the Word of God should be the priority for the life of the church. And we see that very clearly in the most amazing way in, uh, in a number of passages in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, we see that in verse 42, when the, 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 the believers were devoted to the teaching of the Word of God. But we see it in a, in a striking way in chapter 6, when problems came in, uh, in the church, and there was a, a, a discord and disunity about the whole situation about food being distributed to certain widows and not to all of them. And the, the leaders of the church make an incredible important decision. And they say in Acts 6-2, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to save, serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Friends, one of the reasons why we're considering here in the life of Parkers Baptist Church 
the theme of the plurality of shepherds or elders is because the spiritual leaders of the church are those who should give their priority and attention to the ministry of the word and prayer. And right now, officially, you have only devoted one of them to that role. And I want more. It's right that the spiritual leaders of the church are those who should be committed and put the priority of the, of, of the word and prayer as a priority for the life of the church. Now, yes, the deacons have been so good to helping me in that role. I praise God for them. But the function of the deacon role was created to separate and make a distinction between those who address the physical needs of the body and those who give their time and priority to the ministry of the word and prayer. That's why we're considering the theme of, of a plurality of shepherds, that those among us, and I know there are some among us whom God has called to actually be, give their priority and time to the ministry of word and prayer, that they would be recognized as such and, and trusted as such and followed as such, and they would help me in the ministry. So we want to clarify the, the distinction when we think about and speak about the spiritual leaders of the church. What are they to do? Or their primary work is not to do the diaconate work. Their primary work is to do the ministry of word and prayer. And those whom the church calls as spiritual leaders of the church should be recognized as being devoted and put the priority to the ministry of word and prayer. It's not an accident, friends. It is not an accident that after this event in the book of Acts, chapter 6, after the leaders of the church made this important distinction and, and created the new office, the new role of, of, of a deacon, so that the spiritual leaders of the church are those who are given attention to the priority of the word, after they made that clear distinction and they fought for the priority of the word, it is no accident that verse 7 comes. Read Acts, verse, Acts 6, verse 7, the first summary statement of the book of Acts. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. The word of God increased because the spiritual leadership of the church protected the priority of the word of God. Look at the people who teach the word of God around us. Sometimes we ask, and one of the things we want to ask is, how do we know who are the people who are called to be shepherds, lay shepherds, lay pastors, not just vocational pastors? Who are the people among them who, who, who work that and who, who, whom God calls to be that? Well, one, one of the characteristics, not the only one, but one of them, is simply this. Look at the people among us who teach the Word of God, both publicly but also in private, one-on-one, -on -one, in small groups. Who are the people among us who are gifted in using the Word of God in our lives and we benefit from their teaching of the Word of God? They are, along with other qualifications, that is one of the qualifications to show that they might be candidates for being lay elders lay pastors or shepherds. The leaders of the church are not those who are able to grow the church through their leadership skills, through their business skills. The leaders of the church are, are those who are able to teach God's word so that the word of God is spread among his people, and therefore the word of God increases and multiplies, and therefore the church grows. But sadly, friends, sadly, we oftentimes look at the leaders of the church as those who are first and foremost business managers or leaders in, in, in society, 
That is not so in the church. God says it very clearly. One of the qualifications to be a shepherd or pastor or an elder is to have the ability to teach the Word of God. If you don't have that, you disqualify for that role. Why is God saying that? Because God wants to protect and make sure that those who are called to be the spiritual leaders of the church are actually their black suit is the ability to teach the Word of God. But friends, it's not only a priority for the leaders of the church, it's a priority for the members as well. We are called to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. And we see that in Acts 2. We see that throughout the book of Acts. And we, we want to do that when we gather here on Sunday mornings, when we speak the Word of God in small groups, whether Sunday school classes or, or home groups or one-on-one -on -one meetings. We are zealous and desirous to speak the Word of God to one another. We speak it to among ourselves when we gather even for parties and just talk about what's going on in our lives and how we might encourage each other with the Word of God. We want to apply this Word to our lives. One of the things that the, the, the men will do this next weekend is, is dig deeper into the Word of God and, and learn how to apply it to our own lives, but also learn how to apply it in the lives of others as we seek to disciple one another. Well, friends, let me ask you this morning, how often, how often do you open the Word of God? during the week on your own when are you when you are discouraged or depressed do you go to the word of god when you haven't read the word in a while does it bother you do you ever lose sleep over the fact that you haven't read the word of god in a while why do we lose sleep over so many other things in life? And we don't lose sleep over the fact that we're neglecting this living and active Word of God. Or have we silenced our hunger for God? Have you become spiritually a spiritual anorexic? That you actually find all kinds of excuses not to read the Word of God. Not to get into the Word of God. There's... there's it's easy for us to fall in that trap. But friends, if God's Word creates the people of God, if God's Word builds up the people of God, if God's Word sanctifies us and prevails over our sin, over the darkness, over the discouragement, over the things that are going on in our lives, if the Word of God does all that, why do we treat it lightly in our lives? That is one of the reasons why I want us to grow. As believers in this body, I want us to grow in knowing how to apply the Word of God in our own hearts, but I also want us to grow in knowing how to apply and engage one another with the Word of God in one-on-one -on -one meetings, in you know, off-the-clock gatherings, if you will, right? We want to do that regularly. We want members of this church to know how to speak the Word of God into each other's lives, even if you are at Starbucks for coffee or, or playing golf or whatever you're doing, hunting, speaking the Word of God to each other's lives. Friends, because the Word of God is the agent of God whom He has sent to accomplish God's purposes. And God said it very clearly, it will succeed. It will. Everything that God accomplishes with it or hopes for its purposes, His Word accomplishes it. That's why three things I want to highlight to you and leave you as we conclude the book of Acts this book about the church. I want to relieve you with this challenge about the importance of the Word of God. It's God's active agent to accomplish God's purposes. 
The Word of God is creating the people of God and building them up and prevailing over sin and darkness and able to give us the promised inheritance. The Word of God is the priority of the church. It's first and foremost the priority of the spiritual leaders who are called and recognized to lead the church. It's also the life, the priority in the life of the members who are devoted to it. Pray that the Word of God would accomplish in our midst the purposes of God, every one of them. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for reminding us of the truth about your word. That it's not mere word. It doesn't compare to, to human words. It doesn't compare to human messages and news. Your word has life. Your word gives life. Your word creates life, sustains life. Oh, Lord. Help us to put our confidence in your word. Help us to grow in our confidence in using your word and relying on your word, trusting that indeed your word is able to accomplish in us what you purpose. Oh Lord, we pray that you'd forgive us for the moments and times when we have subtly put our confidence in other things and have forgotten about the powerful word of God. Oh Lord, help us to regain that confidence. Build in us a trust that indeed your word is able to do what you aim it to do. Lord, help us be people of your word. Help us to give attention and devote to your word, both when we're gathered as, as a church, but also when we're scattered in our own lives throughout the week. Lord, build, us in, build in us a hunger for the word. Build in us an attention for your word. May we look to your word so that you would accomplish in us everything you plan for us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.